The following episode was recorded outside our usual studio space. We were on location at Sanctuary House of Prayer in Winnipeg. They had brought in a guest speaker from River House of Prayer in Regina, Saskatchewan. His name is Graham Becky. So we thought we'd take this opportunity, pull him into one of our back rooms at the House of Prayer and interview him, ask him questions about his heart, what they're doing at River House of Prayer, and they're doing some really amazing, awesome things. And we wanted to share that interview with you. So here it is. This is the Burning Rooms podcast. So we're recording here live at Sanctuary House of Prayer, and we have two guests on with us. We have Director of Sanctuary House of Prayer, Brian Creary, and Graham Becky from Regina, who is part of the River House of Prayer, who's the director there. And we thought it'd be a great opportunity to connect with him and ask him a few questions about his House of Prayer. They've got some strengths that many Houses of Prayer don't have, and we really want to tap into that and just find out what the Lord's really doing there. So... Graham, welcome to Burning Rooms Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Uh, so, River House of Prayer in Regina, Saskatchewan. First of all, I, I'm curious, why is it called River House of Prayer and not Regina House of Prayer? It's still our hop, so you could have went with Regina. I don't think there is a Regina House of Prayer, but you guys decide to go with River House of Prayer. Hmm. I think that has largely to do with the fact that um, it's kind of born out of, the name itself was kind of born out of prayer and I guess we never really viewed uh, our house of prayer as a house of prayer to like oversee the whole city, but um, more to um, serve within the city. And a major emphasis of our house of prayer is actually assisting the church. So there was about 17 different churches that were involved within the city. And very often we attend other churches' houses of prayer. And it's almost like a river. A river is moving and it actually goes places. So rather than having a, a total vision of it being built around one center, it's actually kind of a river being the presence of God and taking that into various settings, which kind of also characterizes our evangelistic uh, flow as well. So evangelism is always reaching out and... Um, River really speaks of the presence of God. And we find that wherever we go, we carry his presence with us. It's not like we kind of drum it up or we try to exercise it or whatever, but we actually, uh, we have God's love within us and the Holy Spirit within us. And um, wherever we go, we carry that. We carry that presence into prayer meetings throughout the city. And that's the same sort of viewpoint evangelistically that, you know, we're not trying to do evangelism, but we carry the presence of Jesus with us. And when we carry the presence of Jesus with us, people want to know what we're about. So we're carrying him and we're bringing him to the world. So you guys, you said you're involved with 17 other churches or your relationship with that. How is your relationship with the church of Regina generally? I don't think that, um, like, we don't have like formal agreements with each of those churches, um, but we interact with different churches either through the um, ministerial or i think the university has brought a tremendous diversity of churches to our house of prayer so people at the university there's not a lot of christian uh, campus groups and uh, as a result the christians tend to work together despite their denominational background 
And um, our house of prayer has been a place where a safe place where that they could come because it's totally interdenominational and feel comfortable coming in there. And I, I think that's kind of our students have um, broken down a lot of those walls. And then we have to catch up with them by meeting their pastors and telling them your students are at our house of prayer. And so it's kind of been in that. It's kind of presented us opportunities to speak with pastors from different churches, and we have to keep up with that. Well, there's more going on than that, though, uh, because the term river really is applicable. You, when you first told me that, uh, you said, you guys are a sanctuary, which is really true. You're a place where you gather and the people come before the Lord minister, but you're always on the move. I mean, I've known you since 1992, uh, long before we did Houses of Prayer. You're always on the move. You're always in some in some context, bringing the presence of God. Sometimes it's evangelistic, sometimes it's in a meeting, but it's very much you and it's very much the kind of people that have rallied around you. So you wouldn't have a working agreement with a local church. You're just you're just in there all the time. You're always bringing something to somebody. It's all about a flow. Mm. Also, um, you know, the scripture that says, my house of prayer should be, shall be a house of prayer to all nations. And um, we're very much an international house of prayer. And um, we have close contacts with uh, Nigerian church and we work with uh, several Nigerian churches. And um, then having, and Nigerians are very, um, Nigerians are in every country of the world right now. Mm. So that, that, that really adds a flavor to our house of prayer because Nigerians aren't shy to uh, interact with international people. So that that's um, that's really affected us being involved with the Nigerian church and having their students come in. They come from a culture of prayer. And when they come in, they come ready trained to lead prayer. And they're, the culture they come from is a prayer culture. And they're able to lead right, right away. They're able to dive in and lead prayer meetings and create prayer meetings. And we're creating prayer meetings throughout the city in the marketplace. And we're creating prayer meetings throughout the education system in the city. And so our house of prayer is not, um, we do we do have about 12 hours in our townhouse a week, 12 to 15 hours of uh, sort of corporate prayer. And we have maybe about nine to 12 hours of kind of devotional prayer in the mornings. So then we um, create um, prayer meetings and that's very much about changing the climate of say an institution by having people gather in that institution to pray on a regular basis. So we have like prayer meeting downtown in the middle of the city at one of the largest grain companies in the world. And we have just three or four people meet and meet regularly to pray for that corporation and pray for the people in that corporation. And we believe that as we continue to pray that way, that it changes the way the corporation operates and changes the atmosphere of that place. And we're moving into the city hall, uh, moving into the, the banking financial area, different corporations where there's Christians. We're just encouraging people uh, within these type of institutions to, to hold their own prayer meetings and supporting that. Eh? So where do these connections come from? Do they, are they coming to you asking you to come over there to pray for them? Or are, you, are they just natural connections and you're saying, hey, we, we'd love to do a prayer room in your place of business. Yeah, I think it's very much to do with this type of vision of being a river that's going out and bringing water to dry places. I think when people say, well, when you ask a person where they work, they, one of our first questions would be, well, is there any other believers in that particular field that you're in? 
and or in that corporation that you're in. And when we find out that there are other believers, have you ever thought about, you know, even starting like five minutes a week praying for the place where you work? And most people don't think in those terms. They just reserve their prayer to the church building and or mm. to their home. Mm. But we find that people start thinking different and then um, helping them gather their friends for prayer. And once it gets started, we found out the optimum number is five people especially when working with students at the university because students are quite transient in their attendance. They're on one week or off the next because of exams. If you have five and two are gone any given week, there's remains three and three is still a group. But if you have three and two are away, you don't have a group anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You have an intercessor. (laughs) (laughs) So five is a really good number for uh, starting a group. But in many of our places, like in the, in the marketplace, just starts with two people, you know, praying on a weekly basis for, and in the health system, in the government, we really look for opportunities to encourage people. And so just by talking to any believer, we ask them where they work and what are you doing in prayer in that particular area? And that kind of opens eyes because most people don't think about creating a prayer meeting at their workplace. Yeah. So would you guys actually go in and help them and get them established in prayer meetings and then just leave them alone once it's kind of established? Or do you do you keep a hand in those prayer meetings and just really... Um, we don't lead them so because we realize that, that that probably wouldn't be sustainable in the long run. So we... And, and also because it's... Um, people come from various um, type some being more charismatic and some being less charismatic flavors. We just go with whatever flavor of relationships that people have with the Lord. And we go with that type of style, I guess you could say style of prayer. And, but one thing that we use as our bridge, which breaks down the denominational barriers is always to pray the scriptures. And that seems to be our bridge between every denomination. So whether it's Catholic or Baptist or Alliance or Mennonite or, Pentecostal or charismatic Anglican, or it doesn't matter. But when we make the word of God, the, uh, the thing that we begin to pray in the workplace, then people actually, they all seem to respect that, right? The preeminency of God's word. Are you praying issues, uh, into issues? Are you just praying biblical prayers of blessing? Are you looking for salvation as the primary thing? What's, what are you praying if you're sitting in a, an educational facility or a healthcare facility and you've got a prayer meeting going? I think the praying for God's light, Jesus is the light of the world and for that light to come to all, all people. So I think very often we pray for unbelievers Mm. to become believers and to, to have a faith also in educational institutions, there is a real narrowing of of freedom of speech. And so we are, we are praying for truth and uh, we're praying for opportunities for truth to be spoken and even when it's not popular or considered uh, unfavorably, um, that God will continue to give freedom. Because, of course, Canada was a place where people actually escaped feudal lord system, where you couldn't even get married without the Lord's permission. <laughs> and so people came here for freedom. And, uh, and so freedom is something that we pray about all the time. And then we also pray that people will have a different type of freedom, and that's like a freedom from addictions and freedom from things that hold them back and uh, destroy their lives, right? So there's the two types of freedom, freedom of speech and freedom to interact in a a university setting. Also 
freedom from things that destroy our lives, right? Mm. So I, I've been to your guys' house of prayer in the townhouse, and I just love that it's right on Regina campus, pretty much Regina University. And, you know, you look out your window, you see students walking back and forth. And mm-hmm. that really excites me when I see that. It's neat to see they're right there in front of you. you. You know how to pray for them. And yet you're also in a townhouse, which has a lot of internationals, people like refugees, a lot of immigrants moving there, and a lot of young, young students, even international students that are in that area to go to the university. So would you say just because of where you're situated, that, that really determines a lot of the ministry that you guys do, like in your house of prayer? Yeah. So um, we do focus on just being, the number one way we focus our evangelism is, being, uh, is friendship. And like you have said, we are surrounded by people from Somalia, from Pakistan, from China, from India. And um, we focus on talking to our neighbors on a daily basis, help boost their cars, help them with their English as a second language. And uh, yeah, I sat in one of those classes where you did, mm-hmm. I think it was Chinese that were in, mm-hmm. and you were teaching them the English language by using your Bible. And mm-hmm. we, we just thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a real opportunity um, for Chinese people because they come to Canada and believing um, that this is a Christian country. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we have a Christian heritage, but it's not, it's, it's really quite a secular culture that we're in. But they, they want to know something of the Christian culture or an inheritance that we, we possess. And so they are more than willing to examine the Bible. They had no Bible teaching when they were in China. Very often, though, we find that the university professors we speak to are actually the grandchildren of uh, believers. Uh-huh. Their, their parents uh, were not Christians, but the grandparents actually maybe had them live with them for maybe six months to a year of their life. And whatever was deposited there caused an opening in their life. So when they come to study abroad, that's one of the first things they check out. It's a common thing that we find. The parents aren't Christians, and the parents have no faith. They're largely atheists, but the the grandparents often were believers. Hmm. Sounds like you're digging up a lot of old, ancient wells, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really neat. So using so using the Bible to teach English, um, we just have them read passages of the Scripture to us. We correct their pronunciation, and the Bible is a different book. It's not just a textbook. You can't just leave it there when you read it. It actually reads you. And it starts to speak and raise questions in your own heart. And they ask us questions about what they're reading and how it applies to them. And you just answer those questions. So I just found that, that, you know, the, the word is Jesus and Jesus is the word. And when you read, you find him in the scriptures, it speaks to your heart. And you have questions how that relates to you. And you're already on a journey of prayer studying English. Yeah. I know lots of houses of prayer, though, that never even think about such things. I mean, they're, they're focused on the, the task of worship and prayer and intercession. And the idea of doing an English class for Chinese students at the university is so far outside the box. Why are you, why did you think this in the first place? Um, Matthew uh, 22, 37 and 38 has been a theme scripture for our house of prayer, that we would love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and uh, 
Luke adds strength. Mm -hmm. And that the second commandment is like the first, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. So we see the two things really connected by Jesus himself in that passage. And the connection point would, I guess, be loving yourself in the grace of God. Love others as as yourself. Mm, How to love yourself in the grace of God is actually receiving an understanding of how much God loves you and being able to receive that in your own heart. When you receive that in your heart, it changes the way that you feel toward other people. Now, you, you've been like this the whole time that I've known you. you you've always had a soft heart towards people, but I, I, it's not just your personality. you got the, the Lord's heart, and then you're just cooperating with what with what you're feeling and seeing and it's, but it's, it's unusual. Like really, I've been your friend for a long, long time and you have a grace on you that, that when the Lord put you into the position to lead a house of prayer, we knew it would be different right away. And, and I thought this is going to be interesting to see what you'll bring to it because it's going to have your grace and your, your skill set uh, immersed into it. And it's really true, right? I mean, Johan and I, we've seen it and many others, we've been there and we have our distinctions, but boy, you guys have your distinctions. And and the reason why we're even here in this room today is because you're here to speak to us for the for our uh, to our community this afternoon. You're going to give us the things that you're so, you're so committed to that the Lord's got grace on your life. So so I just want to, you know, highlight that in you. This it's not, it's not like it's not accessible for people because it is, and anybody can cooperate with it and come into it. But you're a true leader in it in the spheres that we see, at least. And it's it's the real grace and power of God is there. I think it's more than human compassion, and uh, yeah. human compassion, I think, you know, maybe has about a fifteen minute limit. Uh, it depends how much That's of a, my limit. How much of a jerk the other person is. That's really true. Um, if they're really bad, you may be limited to five minutes of human compassion. But the passion of Christ, which sent him to the cross for us, is um, unlimited. And uh, by spending time in understanding the profound love of God for us, this impacts our heart and I would even say it may sound radical, but I've actually given up evangelism altogether and, um, you know, try to make a shift into learning to love God. Because when we love God and then our interaction with other people, evangelism becomes a natural fruit of the relationship that we have with him, as opposed to trying to go out and convert people. I've stopped that. Mm. And uh, I think that the church needs to consider stopping a lot of their programs, conversion programs, because the culture we live in, people don't want to be converted, but they are interested in Jesus. Now, how can you tell somebody about Jesus if you don't know him? You just be like a used car salesman. You know, you, you never really drove the car. You don't know nothing about it, but you're just trying to pass off a sale. Mm-hmm. That is not evangelism. It's not good news. <laughs> it's a ripoff. So I really feel um, you know, the more that we are intimate with Jesus, then when we interact with people, they see that we have something that they don't have and they are interested in it. Evangelism would become the fruit more than the effort. Mm. 
And, and you and I connect at that point, at that point, yeah. we might be coming at it from different angles, but we think exactly the same thing here. You, you really don't have anything to, to offer if you don't actually know the person mm-hmm. of, of Jesus, you got to have a real relationship and it's got to be re- true abiding. And then from there we partner mm-hmm. and he really does all the hard work, but we come along with them and we, we experience it together. And you, that's where you and I really sync up and we connect, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, the power of the prayer room right now. Wouldn't you say? I mean, all mm-hmm. the prayer rooms that are emerging on the earth, it sounds like it's about prayer unto revival, but really, if you if you take a closer look, it's more about intimacy with Jesus. It's about people just going really deep in the knowledge of who he is and their hearts being one, producing devoted missionaries and evangelists and church planting efforts and and ministry to the poor in the inner city. All those things are coming out of uh, people that just have spent a lot of time knowing the man. And mm-hmm. this is the stuff that he does. And so I really feel that um, a lot of times as the church, we are uh, waiting for a revival. And I am looking for a mass revival to come and a great awakening among God's people and also for the unsaved people to come into relationship with God. I'm looking for that and praying for that. But um, I kind of feel in our lives that sometimes we're just waiting for something to happen. And God is waiting for us to uh, touch other people with what we've received. But again, if we haven't received any love from God, then you can't give what you don't have. Mm. So it's really important to know how much God loves us because that determines whether we have anything to share with others. If we have no idea about his love, <laughs> it's pretty hard to talk about it. It would just be like a textbook religion. Or you're just going to bind them up in the same traps that you're already caught in. Yeah. I mean, it took several years for Sanctuary House of Prayer to add the missions-based piece to the end of our name. Mm-hmm. You guys, it feels like you're missions-based going right into starting your House of Prayer. And I mean, the Lord plant you on the doorstep of the nations. Like it really feels you guys are a house of prayer for all nations. Mm-hmm. And even the tenderness that you carry, like when we go there, we see it in your people too. Like, So my question is, what kind of things have you done to cultivate that tenderness with those you surround yourself with in your house of prayer, because you guys all seem on the same page, like really engaging the community around you. So if there's another house of prayer listening that wants to engage the community around them as well and and have that tenderness for, for those around them, like what kind of things can we do to cultivate that? And one, one, one thing I, I think that we had alluded to earlier is that um, street evangelism is not the same thing as relational evangelism. And street evangelism, while it, I believe, has a heart for street people, does that form of evangelism does not always carry with it the compassion that is required to share Christ with someone in your workplace. Even though you're good at that too. I'm able to do street evangelism. You've been effective at that. And I'm for it. Yeah. Uh, It's a one-time meeting. Right. But the the level of relationship is very low. Hmm. And so the level of love involved in motivating that sometimes gets lost in the time frame and just the surroundings of you have such a short time to speak to somebody or such a short time to heal somebody and it's all on the street and it's all now and it's in your face sometimes i think uh, street evangelists in time paths like you kind of believe that you have a duty or something to share Christ, and this may be your only opportunity, and it can become fear-based. But that does not make it effective. 
We know that love-based evangelism, when people experience the love of God, their lives are changed. It's not just about avoiding hell. It's about entering a relationship with, with Christ. Yeah. And so I think that in order to encourage people to share their faith day to day, they must not separate who they are from what they do. And so uh, rather than viewing like uh, prayer as being something that we do, prayer is who we are. Hmm. In the same way, evangelism is not what we do. It's a fruit of who we are. It's a fruit of our relationship in prayer. So we have to live out of who we are and encouraging people to actually love other people. And love has action to it. So love has a lot of things. It's not a program of social action. But it is a relationship which includes social action of helping people get jobs, helping them move, moving students all the time. We had a, a half-ton truck and two dollies and a fridge mover and moving people, getting into their lives, getting into their homes. When you're in your home, well, this is a new place for you. Should we say a prayer, a blessing over this place? And, mm. you know, evangelism comes out of who we are. Who are we? We're lovers of God. That's who we are. And we're intimately acquainted with Jesus through prayer. So should we try some prayer of blessing in this place, you know? And we're once you're in somebody's house, why not bless it, eh? Let me tell a quick story. Um, this this is my uh, experience with you. So I came uh, a, few, a few years back, I was visiting, and uh, I was staying uh, in the in the building where the prayer room is. And uh, it was late at night. We realized that we were missing some things. So we ran out to the Walmart. This was uh, like 1130 at night, I remember. And so there, there we are in the Walmart buying towels or something. And when we get to the counter, you get to the lady that's at the counter, I think was uh, Syrian or some, mm -hmm. from somewhere anyway. Mm -hmm. And you had seen her before and talked to her. Mm -hmm. And so you went to the counter. Hello, how are you? Nice to see you. I, I don't know how close the relationship was, but it, you were following up on what you'd already done. Mm -hmm. And then you asked her if she had any family members that were back in the, the other country. Mm -hmm. uh, she said that she had somebody, I think in Mosul, which was where the ISIS was controlling mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And you said, oh, your heart must be hurting. It's very much like, and you made some connection in the Bible. And she said, yes. Now she's, this is all while she's ringing through the towels. And then now you say at that point, uh, we should pray for her because uh, I'm sure she needs the help. Let's just pray. Dear Jesus. And you just start right into the prayer. No, as mm. you said before, don't close your eyes. Don't ask permission. Right. You just start praying and you start praying for her or her mm -hmm. family. You bless her. And the whole thing happens while we're, while you're running your credit card through and then you know, God bless you. See you later. As we're walking out to the parking lot, I say to you, that was amazing. Mm. And you said, oh yeah, but he's, you said, I'm working a plan. It's not a one-time thing. I'm mm. working towards uh, having her family become over to my house for dinner, if that's possible and connecting relationally and helping them with their lives. And all those things are coming. This is all part of what it means to, to get right. involved in their lives. So that bridge is the first thing in finding out what is in the person's heart that we can bring Christ's love to that. What is of concern to them? Yeah. That becomes our bridge. And that becomes, once we establish a relationship, then we can pray into that area that's deeply touching their heart. From there, we just know that, like, for, for instance, most cultures in the Middle East or Africa, like food and hospitality, is the number one way to love people. So having, like... Uh, curry for people from Pakistan and uh, having a meal together and uh, the chicken biryani, like 
It's that's, that's an easy one. It's very good. Yeah. And uh, it's a way into relationships. So it, the relationship continues. And as it continues, oh, well, we need to get a car. And then we pray for a car. And then about a week later, a pastor phoned me with an Acura sports car. He wants to give away wow. to Muslims. Just, just like that. You got an yeah. answer. Wow. So, so the Lord cares. You no, know, God loves these people. Yeah. And we are able to be used by him again. We don't make the program. We're just walking with them day to day. And the love of God within our hearts is being manifest to them through our prayers. And when we pray, God does stuff. But I think sometimes we've separated the prayer from our interaction with people. And we only find it in street evangelism. Mm. We find people praying and healing people on the street. But day to day, as we interact with neighbors and such, we have divorced prayer from our relationship. That is a major problem for evangelism. Prayer evangelism is probably received more than 90% of the time, Mm. especially if we can pray with our eyes open, and especially if we can continue in the prayer directly following what we're talking about, just move from one to the other. Maybe halfway through the second sentence, they realize, oh, I think that sounds like a prayer to me. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let me ask you a question then, uh, because I think this is relevant for our house too, Johan. So what's your goal then? Do you want to be a house of prayer with a handful of evangelistic specialists who know how to uh, intertwine themselves in people's lives? And then you, you do your prayer meetings at one time, and then you do your evangelism separately, and never the two worlds sort of connect. Or are, do you want to be people who are prayer and not just people who do prayer, going out, being light everywhere you wherever you go, and then I'm, I'm assuming, and then when these people are, are one to Jesus and they become part of the family, they join you in your efforts to continue to worship and pray. It's, it's part of the extension of what normal life is as a believer in and We have brought our new believers into the prayer room, and we have found that the prayer room is like a greenhouse for their growth for mm. new believers. We found people who were totally untaught beginning to move in the gifts of the Spirit and pray in tongues and prophesy and have words of knowledge without even even getting to that point of their discipleship that we had been teaching them. Um, just because the atmosphere of the presence of Jesus is a good place to learn and good place to be discipled. However, I just feel like the evangelism thing, we we have struggled with that. We do have a regular street team that goes out Thursday night into the center of the city. A lot of the people that we are sharing Christ with are suffering from addictions. And we have seen the need that we actually probably need to get a location right downtown by there to bring them into. We find like transporting them from city center out to where the university is and back every week is not an efficient use of time. And also we are moving people out of their comfortable culture. They're not able to necessarily interact healthily. Mm. So we're thinking that, you know, we really need to create a meeting room with prayer in it right in the center of the city. Yeah. In the same way as, uh, you know, the people from the neighborhood come into our house of prayer for a meal. It's because it's the culture they live in. It's because it's the neighborhood they live in. Making that change is much easier than pulling somebody out of where they're living on the street into something else. There's a cultural shock. 
So uh, I think teaching people to friend people, and we, we do some of that just within our homes. On a monthly basis, we have a games night where we bring non-Christians to the home just to play games and to fellowship there. And through interaction right there, somebody may say a prayer right there, but it's not like an evangelistic program. We're actually living life with people. There you go. Allowing what's in our heart to come out in a loving way and using prayer as our evangelistic tool. What is prayer? It's just simply asking God to intervene in the point of need in someone else's life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. asking God to help with the need that the non-believer has. And that's prayer evangelism. When it's answered, then we can give the theological understanding where this comes. Sure. And give all the details. And we can say the kingdom has arrived and this is what the kingdom is yeah. and this is what it means to live in the kingdom. And we can teach them, right? Mm-hmm. But up until that point, we're just trying to communicate God's love to them by actually saying a prayer to ask God to intervene at their point of need. Right. That is the love of God to people. This is always a provoking discussion whenever we get to sit down and talk to you. And this has been awesome, but we got to wrap it up. Actually, before we even do that, yep. uh, can you tell people that are listening how they might find you in Regina? Oh, yes. We're a block and a half from the University of Regina on Kramer Boulevard, 1215 Kramer Boulevard. And we have a Facebook page, River House of Prayer. You'll find us there in the address and the, and the times that we meet. And um, and I'll get that all in the show notes if you want to connect with Graham. And maybe we'll throw your email address on there too if they want to connect with mm-hmm. you personally. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we can end the episode. If there's something that our audience has been listening to that is something resonating that they want for their own house of prayer or even for themselves, maybe you could just pray for them. Right here, we'll just pray for them and... If you're listening and, and you feel there's something that struck your heart that, that you desire to see in your house of prayer or in your own life, just receive it from the Lord. All right. We'd love for you to pray for us. Yeah. Yeah. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we're just asking for your heart. Lord, that we would have a revived understanding and a revealed understanding, Lord, in our hearts of your love toward us. That love, which is just over the top, Lord. The love that a father sacrificed his own son. Let it t- touch our hearts, God, that we would love you, Lord, with all our heart. It takes your love, Lord, to love God. It takes God to love God and pour your love into our heart, Father God, that we'd have a revealed living understanding of your love toward us, Lord. And then, Lord, I just pray that that same love wherewith the Father has loved the Son. We have that, we possess that, Lord, that we could release that to others in a natural way. And Lord, I pray that you use prayer as that tool, Father, that we could learn, Lord, how to move outside religious prayer, prayers with form and prayers with rhymes and prayers, Lord, that are in a formal way. And actually, Lord, make prayer part of our conversation with God and with people, Lord, and naturally Pray for people and release your blessing into their lives. God, I just pray for a real love of God to be extended to people through prayer in Jesus' name. Thank you, Graham, for joining us today. Thanks, Brian, for co-hosting with me today. You're welcome. If you want to find out more information about the podcast, uh, visit our website at burningrooms.ca. Until next time, my name is Johan, and this has been the Burning Rooms Podcast.